You're listening to Like Flint Radio, part of the Revelations Radio Network. Alrighty, well, welcome to another episode of Like Flint Radio. I'm one of your hosts, this is GK. This is another very special interview where we will be recording over three time zones and if you've listened to us for a while, you know that I enjoy doing these. With me on the line all the way from the mother city in Cape Town, we have Andy Tade. Good afternoon, Andy. Hi, Tade. How are you? Uh, all good. It's really good to be here, and I'm really looking forward to interviewing our guest. Yes, that's right. Now, on the line with us, we have Jackie Alner, and I'm certain that most of our listeners will know who Jackie is, but before we even talk to her, and bring her on. I'll just read a brief bio and then we will ask her for some more information. But um, Jackie Alner is a veteran watchman, researcher and Christian journalist. She has a bachelor's degree from Texas A&M University in the field of communication and media and was trained in Christian apologetics at the former Simon Greenleaf School of Law. Along with her late husband, she co-founded the Christian Sentinel magazine that was in print in the 1990s and published online in the 2000s. Archives of some of her articles can be found on her Apostasy Alert website, which is www.apostasyalert.org. Her blog is named after the title of her blog talk radio program, The Scattered Sheep Report, that she produced weekly for four years, and that's now on hiatus. Jackie's blog is at scatteredsheepreport.blogspot.com. She's author of the book, The Fleecing of Christianity, that tracks the influence of the spirit of Antichrist in the church via televangelism, the prosperity gospel, and end times deception. Jackie founded Women on the Watch to network with other women of discernment and hosts an annual conference. Her years of taping Christian television and documenting the errors of the word faith movement culminated in her 1999 video, The Great Apostasy, The Lost Sign. That can also be found on YouTube. So without a further ado, I'd like to welcome to Like Flint Radio, Jackie Elner. Welcome, Jackie. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. <laughs> it's really great to have you, Jackie, and I'm so glad that you could join us. It's the first time that you've been on our show, Like Flint Radio, or even uh, Futurequake Southern Hemisphere. But I've been watching a bit of what you've been doing with interest, and um, I'm really glad that we could actually get you on. So maybe first up, what I would love to just find out a little bit about is just where did this passion or wanting to find out more about discernment and understanding discernment, um, when did that start for you? Well, wow, you know, it so started so early on, I got Saved in 1981, though it was like a year happening. Uh, it started in 1980, but I finally came to my senses and to my knees in 1981. And I kind of, after that, I kind of stayed out of churches for a couple months, just, you know, soaking up the word of God. Even though I hate to use that word soaking because it's been hijacked, but we'll That's get right. onto that later. <laughs> yeah. But I really just knew I, you know, I was raised Catholic. I didn't know the Bible. So I 
started just reading it voraciously because all of a sudden I was reading it with understanding. You know, that year of searching, I'd read it and it would, oh, you know, something would click, but it, it didn't become the living word to me until I had the Spirit of God within me. So at that point, you know, all my waking hours, I was reading it for quite a while. And then my sister, well, a couple of my sisters came to the Lord and one of them just she didn't sit at home and do nothing. She dragged me off into a uh, Christian theater group where most of the people in that theater group would go to Walter Martin's Bible study on Sundays over at what was called Melody Land. And so I started going over there with them. And that was actually the first, after I got saved, it was the first place I ventured as far as, a, as Christian teaching was to hear Walter Martin, you know, the author of The Kingdom of the Cults. He's kind of seen as the as the godfather of all apologetics. And even though I started off with Calvary Chapel early on, actually it was a, a Calvary Chapel that I went to in 1980. It was, you know, going to listening to Chuck Smith that first kind mm-hmm. of opened my eyes to things. But like I said, it took a while. So once I ventured out, I would go to Walter Martin's study on Sunday mornings. And then I'd go to the Sunday evening and Wednesday evening services to hear Chuck Smith over at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. So I understood right away about the threat of the cults. And in the early 80s, I studied what the cults taught. Now, for pretty soon, because I wasn't grounded in the Word yet, I took a hiatus there from listening to Walter Martin. I thought, hey, I got to know what the Bible teaches first before I can understand this stuff. So I kind of walked away after six months or so. And then... Oh, it was probably following too many weird voices and listening to Christian television and doing all that kind of stuff during that time I was away from Dr. Martin's ministry that I started getting confused because all these voices seemed to all make sense, but then they were contradicting each other. And it became total confusion to someone who isn't grounded in the word. Mm-hmm. So I guess I guess having to determine what the truth was was my first uh, lo- you know line of business after getting saved because there was just too many conflicting voices and I thought well who's going to be able to figure this out I, you know I I remember coming to that point of just casting myself upon the Lord Jesus saying you know and and that, and at that point I the Lord I think just really impressed upon me turn off that television and stay get back in the Word. Because I was getting off, I was going to a church with a tyrannical leader for a while. I I was just Mm -hmm. going all over the place because I just wanted to hear so much. I wanted so much of the Word of God that I was going here, there, and everywhere every day of the week. You know, I still go to Calvary Chapel, but then I started going to, oh, well, people you wouldn't know of, but Gene Scott in... um, in Burbank, you know, I'm, this all happened. I'm from the Los Angeles area, as you could tell okay. if I was in Costa Mesa in Orange County. But then right. I would drive all the way over to hear Gene Scott, who was a guy who was kind of a loony in some ways. He had a lot of good things to say, but he was very much an overlord. There was a lot of things going on at that time that were things going on in the church. See, under Walter Martin's study, we only talked about what the cults did wrong. But then I started seeing weird things within so the, the professing church, things that did, just didn't feel right in my spirit. But I had no way of testing things. And so I think that uh, it became a survival thing. I didn't just like choose discernment ministry. Discernment became 
part of survival as being a Christian. It's finding the truth in a religious world full of conflicting voices. And every Christian is in that situation. I'm not unique. But when I started discovering where the errors were and, you know, after much studying of the Word of God, I couldn't even, I couldn't even discern anything except, you know, you'd have this, something isn't right. Something doesn't right. feel right. But it yeah. wasn't until I really was grounded in the Word of God that I could then really test what was right and what was wrong. That's just mm-hmm. vital for yeah. every believer. Absolutely. So from there, I got to know Dave Hunt very well in those days. Then I read his books. Uh, I guess it was in 1985 at that time, The Seduction of Christianity came out, which was one of Dave Hunt's uh, magnum opus that everybody should read. And I also met the author of The Hidden Dangers of the Rainbow, Constance Cumbie. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay, between the two of them, I talked to them at their little conferences that they'd have, and pretty soon I'd get involved with doing some research for Dave Hunt and helping Cumbie and some of her friends with their resource tables. You know, we'd all go out to eat all the time, and we had so many conversations, and we'd be talking about, you know, the problems of the New Age movement. So at that point, the New Age movement, again, was something outside of the church. We could see it being a major deception within the world. Oh, man, it would take forever for me. I should write my biography, I suppose, because (laughs) there was so many steps to networking with, with them and with different people in our little inner circles and stuff between Walter Martin's, oh, because then the Lord brought me back to Walter Martin's Bible study once, mm-hmm. you know, I had gone through all of that. And um, and by that time, he was at a different location. He was over in Newport Beach. And so I, then I started up at that Bible study again. And so I was kind of running in the circles with all the different discernment people and apologists. And I started going to school to learn apologetics where Walter Martin taught. You know, that Mm -hmm. Simon Greenleaf, Walter Martin had a cults class there. And, oh, I took a a whole bunch of classes. I didn't finish over Simon Greenleaf, but I went there for a year full time, you know, taking classes like scientific apologetics and a lot of theological classes and stuff like that. And so it was just all in preparation for everything else. Right. I'm not giving you guys a word in edgewise. No, this is good. (laughs) You see, the Lord took me step by step in response to everything going on because the New Age stuff hit me close to home when my nephew's class at the ninth grade at a secular local high school were teaching them self-hypnosis. That They had teachers coming in that were teaching the class how to get into altered states of consciousness so that they could be settled in their minds, so-called, and be taught subliminally somehow this project it was called project self-esteem it was supposed to bypass the thinking of the student and get into their subconscious and so when they would get into the altered state then the teacher could read the lessons very slowly and supposedly it was uh gonna bypass human reasoning and get right into their subconsciousness okay so i got in the middle of that and we blew that wide open and got that thrown out of the school Then 86 and 87, I started doing this newsletter called the New Age Alert. Later, especially in doing a lot of footwork and stuff for Dave Hunt, how all this stuff was coming into the church. I would go over to uh, Crystal Cathedral, which is Robert Shuler's so-called ministry. He was the one that started the possibilities thinking and all of this, Hmm. Um, you know, mind over matter sort of Christianity. 
And so I would get his magazines for Dave, do a lot of running around to get documentation that I would share with him. And I would share those things with Walter Martin as well. Mm-hmm. And then when we could see how those ideas of the New Age movement were coming into the church, you know, back in the 80s, most people just weren't aware of those things happening. Yeah. But you started seeing where this leaven of New Age thinking has come into the church back in yeah. the 80s. Then in the 90s, I got married in 1987, and then with my husband and I, he was a journalist and writing for all the major Christian magazines. And so we started the Christian Sentinel just to try to look at some of the things that were going on as well as covering Christian news. Mm -hmm. So we did that for quite a while. And then, then tying all this stuff in with Bible prophecy and everything, that led to me doing the apostasy alert. That was without my husband. That was me by myself, even though, you know, he was still alive then, but he was Mm -hmm. teaching full time and doing other things and kind of wasn't doing those things with me anymore. So I went on to doing the apostasy alert, again, warning people of how the apostasy was happening. And Mm -hmm. it was because of the leaven that had come into the church. And then, you know, now I'm the scattered sheep. Now I don't think we have to alarm anyone about the apostasy. It's in full swing. The leaven has taken hold. And now there's very few churches you can go to that aren't influenced by some of these awful influences. You know, rarely will you find a church that doesn't sell books by some of the worst authors. You know, you go to the little Christian bookstore that are associated with churches, and you're going to get stuff from Rick Warren, from Brian McLaren, from every element of error that has come into the church. And it's all kind of now cross-pollinated so that all of it is thoroughly entrenched in the visible church, Christendom, let's say. So that's where we are today. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a mess. (laughs) You know what? I mean, I I think almost everyone that I know that have kind of come out of, I suppose they all have different experiences, but we've all had some of that influence somehow where we've seen it, we've been in it. And then thankfully the Lord has kind of brought us out, whether it's been not going to church for a while or whatever the circumstances are, to just try and have us be able to have another look at things and to start assessing. Because just listening to what you're saying there, I think for me personally, being brought up in a church that had already had that little bit of leaven in there, if you can understand that. So you don't see the difference because you were introduced to it with leaven in it. And so you can't see the difference until you're given the tools or until you can start to, you know, pull this thing apart and go, well, what is true and what isn't, you know, and this is what makes it so difficult. And that's why I really appreciate what you do, Jackie. So do you have anything to comment on that as well? Yeah, I just wanted to say that a lot of what both of you ladies are saying resonates with me. My wife and I, the, the church uh, where we went to Bible college in the 80s, their main focus were the teachings of Norman Vincent Peale. It was meant to be Bible college, but there was very little Bible taught. And it was mainly the, you know, the positive thinking and these other couple of new age things that Jackie's already mentioned were being taught as Bible. And um, when you're a new believer, which we were, warning bells were going off for us, but we didn't know what they meant. We didn't know where to look. We didn't know where to turn to. Right. Um, and eventually... Through a journey of our own, we did discover that, well, you know, the truth is found in the scriptures. And what I wanted to say was that no matter, you know, whether we consider ourselves Pentecostal or Baptist or whatever, 
we all have to adhere to what's in the scriptures. There's actually no wiggle room with this. If we want to understand God, understand ourselves and understand what's going on in the world today, we've got to have an understanding of the Bible. And I would argue as guided by the Holy Spirit. So the things that we might discuss here, and we already started, whether you're a continuist or a cessationist or somewhere in between, you will have to acknowledge that the truth is found in the scriptures. And I think that's where you're going to end up. And as I said, I would argue as led by the Holy Spirit and guided by the Holy Spirit. And if you really want to find the truth, it's going to come out of a thorough study and understanding of the Bible. Because as Paul wrote to Timothy, he didn't just tell him to read it. He told him to study the scriptures to show yourself approved. So I think the three of us and many of our listeners will have been on similar journeys as these. And we'll know that these things that we're discussing are true. Now, there will be other people who, especially if we start naming names, I know we're going to discuss the NAR, the New Apostolic Reformation Movement. Some of our audience may think these ladies and gentlemen are just wonderful, but when you compare what they have to say with even just a plain reading of the scriptures, you will understand why it's going to take people like Jackie and others to help us understand where this leaven has crept in the church, if that's fair to say. I hope you would both agree. Right. This is at the crux of everything because I think, you know, many people might be exactly where you were, where I found myself as well. Um, most people that I know are sincere when it comes to their love for the Lord and whether they are influenced by these things. There is a sincerity and a love for God, but they're caught up just the way that I was. And so I hope that anyone listening today, if that's where they found themselves, there's red flags, there's a lot of questions, there's things they're seeing, they can't really tie it up with God's word. This is perhaps a good starting point. Um, we discussed how some of these New Age teachers, they're always looking for something new. And one of the things that I had no idea about and Jackie had passed on to me was this transfiguration and imaginal cells. Hmm. So, Jackie, I wonder if we could, say, start off there with what I think is probably, well, it's new to me anyway, and with a, a gentleman called Lance Wallnow and transfiguration. Could we start there? Sure. Well, you see, Lance Wallnow is kind of like the fair-haired boy of the NAR. And when I say NAR, I'm talking about the New Apostolic Reformation, which is an umbrella group that was established by C. Peter Wagner. And, you know, maybe especially in Cape Town and in um, Australia, you probably, it's not, maybe not a common name. But here he was a teacher who, alongside of the late John Wimber, one of the early founders of the Vineyard Movement, the two of them had a Signs and Wonders class over at Fuller Seminary in Pasadena, California. Now, Fuller, oh, if, if anyone wants background on Fuller Seminary, they should read Paul Smith's book, The New Evangelization. Google it. Paul Smith is Chuck Smith's brother, who watched the apostasy of Fuller Seminary that started out as a fundamentalist evangelical seminary that that saw the word of God as, as infallible and then later went away from the infallibility of scripture, pretty much saying the scripture 
wasn't the word of God, but it contained the word of God. And so you didn't have to accept it all, basically. So when that happened, Fuller started going down the tubes. Well, they started the Signs and Wonders class in the late 70s with Wagner, who was the so-called authority on missions. Again, some of the worst stuff that you will see as far as the false teaching of the emergent church as it's known today and some of these unbiblical ideas that have come into the church have come through what they call the missional movement, which is where Wagner was the big guy back in in those days. Mm -hmm. And so he was, you know, an evangelist down in South America and things like that. And having to accept all mystical traditions or somehow Christianizing mysticism, but oh, I don't want to get off on that. Just to say that this Wagner was like at the head, sort of, the theological guy behind what was known in the 80s as the Kansas City prophets, Mm -hmm. which are the false prophets that included names that you would be familiar with, like Mike Bickle and Mm -hmm. Bob Jones and Paul Kane, Jack Deere, some of these guys who all claimed that God was restoring prophets and apostles to the church. So the NAR is an umbrella group that spun off of all those things. And they have annual conferences to get what the latest prognostications are from all of the prophets that gather together. And the prophets are subject to the the so-called apostles. So they have these new apostles. And this is their hierarchy of authority uh, within the so-called charismatic church. So they all you know, are in this together. There's, there's groups like the Elijah List here mm-hmm. in, in America that promotes all of these so-called prophets, but they all kind of work in conjunction together under the NAR banner. And so Lance Wall now is like their fair-haired boy. He's kind of a handsome sort of young, eh, maybe not so young. It looks like he's had some uh, work done on his face. (laughs) Say it that way, maybe a little Botox or something uh, to really look funny and and they want to get to the youth and the youth are are really what they're going for so they have these big youth gatherings like oh what's it called one one place or this one thing mike bickle does these things every year where it's gathering the youth so how do you attract the youth you get this you get the light shows going and the droning rock music and certainly those things and the kids are jumping around to the music it really after an hour of that going on, then they can really get these kids just so excited that, you know, they believe anything that's, that's coming down. Right. But uh, I'd like to quote one of the false prophets. In fact, this particular par- false prophet is, you'll see him on just about every so-called praise-a-thon that the Trinity Broadcasting Network has, TBN has. And his name is, again, Mark Sharona. He, he interpreted Benny Hinn's dream once that Benny Hinn was given the rod of Elijah. So he prophesied over Benny Hinn that Benny Hinn was the new Elijah. Oh, but wow. now Benny Hinn's kind of fading away. So they know how to flatter one another to get into position. Yeah. Now, one of the ladies on my Facebook friends, Roxanne, she transcribed parts of a message of a of a conference that was going on a couple of weeks ago with some of these guys, including um, Mark Sharona, Robert Stern, some of, I won't get into all these names, but here I just want to read a portion of what Mark Sharona was teaching. And mm-hmm. you can see the new age stuff that's really taking, it's really coming back. It, you know, they hid this stuff for a while. 
But now they're bringing it back and, and being not so careful about it. They get careful after a while when apologetics ministries exposes them and stuff. But apologetics has, they're fewer and fewer. They're being called heretic hunters and then they just give up. But anyway, right. I'm not giving up. But here's some of what he said. He says, we are in transition and the church as we have known it has to die and needs to be reformed. Yeah, he's got to, you know, not just reform, but reform. We need to be reformed. And I almost don't want to use transformed anymore. I want to use the Bible word transfigured. You know, when Jesus was transfigured in a moment on that mountain, uh, back in the original Aramaic and Greek and Romans, another verse, it, it, we, in 2 Corinthians, Paul said, we with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror of being transformed. He says the real word is transfigured. Well, you know, I have to get a Greek scholar to comment on that one because there are certainly two different things. Right. He says, what happened to Jesus in moments happens to us over a lifetime. Caterpillars are intended to become butterflies. Every caterpillar has the DNA of a butterfly, but not every caterpillar makes it because at some point something happens that either aborts the process or when the caterpillar is going into the cocoon phase and dissolving, parasitical wasps seize the advantage and suck them dry so they die before they get there. Do you know how to protect yourself when you're being deconstructed and going from one glory to another? Because Jesus, now I tend to believe, everything Jesus did was out of seeing what the Father is doing at the Mount of Transfiguration. You want to know or think what he was praying. I'm not following that too well. But anyway, he was referring to the, to the resurrection. Somehow in our lives, we're supposed to be like the caterpillar and, and only those who can fight off anybody stopping them from transfiguration are going to make it. Now, the transfiguration, I'm hearing, like I said, I've heard Lance Wall now use that term. Kim Clement, another false prophet, has used that term. This transfiguration falls in line with fulfilling the latter rain prophecies. And boy, there's so much background <laughs> that you almost need to know to follow the heresies. Right. But a heretic back in the 1940s and 50s by the name of William Branham, he had a prophecy that the manifestation of the sons of God referenced in the Bible was, you know, again, that is talking about us coming back with Jesus and ruling and reigning with him. They're trying to say that you can do all of these things before Christ comes and that before Christ comes, that there's going to be a new breed of human being that is going to get past sin and, and is going to be able to do what Jesus did. And even Jesus said, greater works will you do because I go to the Father. They're going to do these greater works. And of course, Jesus meant greater in, in scope and, and loca locale, you know, over, overall. But they were talking about, you know, if, if, if he could walk on water, you know, well, they could levitate over it. You know, they're going to do even more, more things and they're going to be in control of the glory, as some of them put it. In fact, this very same conference, one of the guys was said, oh, come on throw a glory ball on everybody. And so he, he'd act like he was throwing something. And all the people in the crowd started jumping and jerking because they were catching this glory ball. Mm -hmm. Okay. So these new breed are going to be able to 
control their environment. And as co-creators with Christ, as they put it, with speaking things that are not as though they were, which they love to throw that verse around, but it's just referring to God speaking things into existence. They're going to speak things into, into existence. They really are doing all these things. They claim with the power of God, with the Holy Spirit, but they certainly don't have the Holy Spirit because there's nothing holy about this spiritual stuff that they love to show off. Now, did I lose track of where I was going? I was talking about the New Age movement. And if you listen to the words of the Crosby, Stills, and Nash Young song back at Woodstock, the song is called Woodstock. And it talks about having trying to get back into the garden and that we're all going to be like butterflies above the nations. And then, it, and the, oh, the last verse, I don't have it in front of me. It speaks of being in control of the devil. And that's really what is happening. These things are all, you know orchestrated by the spirit of the age that is trying to prepare everybody for the acceptance of the Antichrist. I think you really have to see the big picture when you look at things like the NAR because they are just in the hands of the Antichrist. They speak about this paradigm shift, which of course, back in the 80s, the New Age movement was talking about a coming paradigm shift where man would get into the next stage of evolution the new man that would come out of this paradigm shift would be as different as human beings today are compared to the Neanderthals. Hmm. In other words, it's this great next great giant leap of mankind. So the New Age movement is talking about this happening to mankind while this so-called church is saying that we're going to have this new breed. So now everybody is saying the new breed has happened, the paradigm shift has already happened, and people like Mark Sharona are even using the same new age buzzwords like new paradigm and all these kinds of things. And this new new birth that has nothing to do with being born again, in which they are no longer bound by humanity, but are gods on the earth. And right. so this little gods idea comes into play as well. Gosh, it's mm. it's really, I guess... It's complicated, but it's not complicated. I hope right. I, I, I thought it made it more complicated. It needs no. to be simplified so you can see the big picture. Right. No, I think it's easy to understand because everything you've just outlined there, Jackie, is not found in the scriptures. So I guess if they're challenged, they would, and, and we would challenge them by using the scriptures because we know that there are many, many verses that we could use to refer to this kind of teaching but they might refer to us as, say, legalist or, as you mentioned, the word heresy hunters before. But the Bible is just full of scriptures that deal with these sort of things. Now, they, for the most part, can't give scriptural basis for their actions, or if they do, it's quite often twisted. But a couple of scriptures we might offer, just listening to you talk there, you know, there are many, many verses we could choose. But I was looking at Jude uh, 1.4. For there are certain men crept in unawares who before of old ordained to this condemnation ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5.11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. So in other words, that's what we're attempting to do here. 1 John 4.1, beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Now, I could go on and on and on. There are many, many scriptures. Now, I read somewhere once that um, every book in the New Testament 
except for Philemon or Philemon, however you want to um, pronounce it, has some mention and teaching about false prophets and false teachers. Now, on my own personal blog, I'm actually going to ask our listeners to help me with my research because on my personal blog at likeflint.blogspot.com, search for my entry called New Testament Warnings About False Teachers and Prophets. And I'm trying to see whether I can find at least one reference to false teachers and false prophets in every book of the New Testament besides Philemon or Philemon. And I'm missing two or three books. So if you could go there and if you can help me out and finish um, that bit of research, because I've listed all the books in the New Testament that I've found warnings about false teachers, um, I'd greatly appreciate your help. But also in that list, and it's only all I've done in that list is pick one out of each book because many books have got many warnings. You could see why we could easily justify well, why we're having, say, Jackie on and we are discussing these matters because the Bible is absolutely full of warnings about false prophets and false teachers. And if we ask people to give an account for why they behave in the way they do or the things that they teach, which we rightly have the right to do or the obligation, I would say, if you're going to call yourself a believer, then you must be prepared to give an account of yourself for your teaching and for your behavior. And if you can't do that scripturally, then I would argue you would have to go back and examine yourself to see whether you really are in the faith, as Paul would say. So I said all that to say that simply the reason we're doing this is because this is what the Bible says to do. Discuss these things. We're not heresy hunters. We're not trying to bring people down for the sake of it. We're not trying to say that we're something special and we've got it all. All we're doing is examining the scriptures to see whether the things that these people say are so. So I guess what I'm saying is we're trying to be good Berens. And Jackie, I'm sure that was a mouthful, but I'm sure that's probably where you'd agree where you're coming from as well. Oh, absolutely. And our only defense is putting on the full armor of God, which, you know, when you go through it, you have to have the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We really have to have the word of God. In fact, when Jesus was sent up to the mount of temptation, the devil kept misquoting the word of God to Jesus, and he responded back rightly quoting scripture. And so the devil is really, he has no new tricks in his bag. We have to not be ignorant of his schemes. We have to watch out for doctrines of devils. Devils have doctrines. And we have to be one step ahead of him or he is going to deceive us. And so every true believer has to be tuned in to the voice of the master. And the only way you can do that is if you read from scripture every day and be filled with the spirit. Again, we're told to be filled with the spirit, not with the unclean spirit, but the spirit that gives us understanding into his word as we read his word. And the word is our daily manna. He is the word. He is the bread of life. The bread of life is the manna that came down every day. And by the next day, it was rotten. So they had to have a fresh batch of manna every day. You have to get into the word every day. You're not going to be tuned into the master's voice unless you read his letters to us every day. Mm -hmm. And then you won't follow a stranger. A stranger you will not follow. But if you don't know the voice of the master, a stranger you will follow. But the only way to know his voice is to abide in it daily. Yeah, absolutely. 
You know, I've heard a lot about uh, C. Peter Wagner, and obviously we talked about him being one of the guys who head up the NAR. I personally know quite a number of people who really look up to him, who think he's wonderful. But the little bit that I've gone to look at are the same uh, things that get thrown back at me. When I ask about why do they believe what they believe, they all say, Jesus doesn't say, for example, about the Great Commission. This is one thing that is always said to me. He doesn't say that we should just go and make disciples of all men. It's about nations, and we somehow have misinterpreted what Jesus said. Um, and this is a very dominionist kind of thinking. And I came across this one little explanation by C. Peter Wagner, which was in a Charisma magazine. And I just wondered if you would indulge me, Jackie, just to kind of get to the root of some of this thinking, because really, when we see how much it's been manipulated, maybe we'll start to see that actually it's not just about us misunderstanding, but it's about people actually manipulating the Word of God and then make a whole theology around that. And um, this is actually an article called Why You Must Take Dominion Over Everything by C. Peter Wagner. This was back in 2012, but I'm just going to read a little excerpt of it. Let me explain, he says, what I mean by starting with the Great Commission. The Great Commission has been central to my life. I committed myself to missions in the night. I was saved when I was 19. I spent my first 16 years of ministry as a field missionary and the next 30 as a professor of missions. My heart's desire was to help fulfill Jesus' mandate to make disciples of all nations. However, the time came when I had to make a radical shift in the way I interpreted those words of Jesus. Formerly, I thought my task was to go to as many nations of the world as possible and save as many souls as possible and plant as many churches as possible. Now I take the Great Commission more literally, he says, when it tells us not to make as many individual disciples as we can, but to disciple whole social groups, such as entire nations. This is kingdom theology. And so that explains exactly where he's coming from. He's decided that it's not about making individual disciples, but it is about discipling whole nations. And that then obviously goes into the whole seven mountains theology, doesn't it? So please do <laughs> respond to that. The seven mountain mandate. Yeah, and you see what he was saying. He takes one scripture and he ignores right. the thousands of others that tell everyone to compel them to come to the Lord, to raise him up, and I'll, I'll bring every man to myself. It, you know, it, he is taking on the Roman Catholic idea of evangelization. And again, all roads lead to Rome. All these guys uh, want to, you know, right. praise the Pope and hold hands with the Pope because they're looking for power in the nations where when jesus says to make disciples of all nations disciples are not countries people are disciples and i mean get, you talk about every book of the bible referring to each person's individual born again experience and that is a very big warning sign if somebody is not interested right. in an individual's relationship with the lord jesus christ when he said that to make disciples of every nation exactly. it's every nationality because at that point things hadn't gone past just the few 
you know, miles uh, around in the Middle East. The word had to go out around the world to all nations. And so you have to look at the consistent word of God, not take one scripture out of context and make an entire worldview out of it as he has. So that is what's so crazy. When Jesus says you must be born again, was he saying that to Chile? Was he saying that to Mexico? You, you know, the, the silliness of that. And taking dominion, <laughs> who are they taking dominion over? Mankind was given dominion over the animals, but where was mankind right. given dominion over mankind? Uh, the thing is, Jesus says that it won't be so. The Gentiles love to lord it over one another, and they love to have their hierarchies. But Jesus said, the greatest of you is going to be the servant of all. So this is where the word of God comes in. When you hear a spiel like what you just right. read, you know that that doesn't connect with God's word. That's not the spirit of God's word. We are not ruling and reigning now. We will rule and reign with Jesus when we return with him. And so you hit the nail on the head when you said That's dominionism. True. They want to take dominion over others, which is exactly what Jesus said mm-hmm. the Gentiles love to do. Exactly right. For me, that is the thing that comes up the most in any of my discussions with any other dominionist. And I have to say that I was in that camp once upon a time. So I don't want to just, you know, kind of be pointing fingers. I was there. I know what it's like to be there. But at the end of the day, if you're not questioning this theology, because most just said as if this is a matter of fact. But when you actually read that he's decided that this is how he's going to interpret it. That's a whole different story because actually that's just one person's interpretation. Um, And to then go and create an entire theology around it, um, as big as and huge as they have, you know, where you've got prophets declaring to nations how this is going to happen and that's going to happen, et cetera, et cetera. I was, I was just, um, I'm going to use one more example if, if I can. And um, I was telling Garth, you know, I, I received an email just the other day and I get this a lot uh, from various groups of people, but in this dominionist thinking and kingdom now thinking, as they would call it, you get this kind of thinking where God is going to all of a sudden invade certain countries and certain towns and certain cities as if he's not there already. You know, it's like um, <laughs> the way I see it is as long as Jesus is within us, we are showing his light to others. We that's are correct, ambassadors, yeah. right? Oh, so oh, yeah. in every city and town, that's how it is, right? That's how it should be working. But when it comes to these kind of uh, prophets and things, they, they seem to think that they can declare to the heavens that there's now an open heaven over a certain town, and all of a sudden there's going to be things happening there because, you know, God has decided he's going to pitch up in a certain town or a certain city or something like that. And so this email just says here, here is an invitation. So I'm being sent this well in advance. I'm glad that God warned me about it to a symphonic city invasion of heaven. And it's to do with a certain invasion of a town in South Africa that is coming up. (laughs) So please, everyone, get your uh, tickets ready. But the way that it, it came about was that God gave this vision to an apostle and then confirmed it through the appearing of a massive double rainbow over this particular city. So therefore it must be. And I I don't want to read too much into it, but it kind of just shows you how this thinking develops, you know. So from that one little misinterpretation of scripture, we now have all of a sudden craziness 
happening, if I can put it that way. Um, suffice to say that she does say right at the very end of this email, we look forward to your financial help, an event of this magnitude, because God can't invade, obviously, unless uh, this happens. Um, she says an event of this magnitude requires vast amount of finances to be successful. So, Yes, well, it. it's often these guys are all about money. You go to you look at every one of their conferences, and the, and before they will even speak, they have to stand up there and wave around their books and and get the people all stirred up and throw a book here and there to some lucky recipient uh, who can get all excited. It's this celebrity sort of Christianity That's right. that they want to make themselves uh, be honored and looked up to and worshipped even. And here they're the ones that going to invade heaven. When, um, you know, again, it's part of this idea of they're being little gods and they're going to tell God what's going to happen. They, here they can even announce in months ahead that God's glory is going to fall here or there. And certainly no glory ever falls. The only thing that they try to do is stir up some manifestations that are just lying signs and wonders. And yet all of this, when you see these silly lying signs and wonders that you don't See, at Pentecost in the second chapter of Acts, it's not going to be there. You know, where does it say Holy Ghost glue or spasms or (laughs) uh, levitations or angel bird feathers and gold dust? That's Mm. nowhere to be seen. And it certainly is a bunch of illusionist tricks. It's a bunch of of magic tricks. It's lying signs and wonders. But the passages, you you read scripture and you see these references to in the last days, in the last days, you know, false teachers, false prophets, false Christ. And Christ means anointed ones. All these ones standing up there and saying, I'm the anointed, touch not God's anointed. They are saying they are the Christ. They are little Christ because Jesus is the anointed one. Uh, king, priest over us all. And they're the ones taking those definitions for themselves. Anyway, the, it's, it's when you see that stuff, you know it's not of God, but you have to be in the Word of God to know these things. And they twist the Word of God when they do use it. And, you know, they, they don't teach it uh, verse by verse or anything like that. And they want to touch his glory. And God says, I'll share my glory with no one. But they want that glory. They're claiming it. They're going to charge the heavens to get it. They're going to advertise what they're going to be doing in the spirit realm. And they are listening to the angels of light. And his messengers, uh, the Bible says, disguise themselves of messengers of righteousness, but they are evil. And yet we know that all these things happening have been prophesied. You know, Jesus told us before he comes, there would be all these people. There'd be false Christ, lying signs and wonders. If we're not seeing those under the NAR banner, where are we seeing them? Understanding of Bible prophecy is so important. That makes all the difference. Right. Because when you understand Bible prophecy, you understand that before Jesus comes, there's going to be a great apostasy. Many are going to turn away from the faith. They're going to follow after teachers with itching ears that they'll say what their itching ears want to hear. And we see all that happening. And so it's actually these things should encourage our faith to see these things coming because the Bible told us these things were coming. And here they are. And uh, and, and now they have fully taken over Christendom. And that's why I now change my ministry and from apostasy alert to scattered sheep, because that's what's happened. These guys have scattered the true sheep. The goats are taken over and the wolves are in charge. And those who truly are his, that truly are seeking the Lord Jesus, 
they have been scattered and all the other goats have been deceived and the blind are leading the blind and they're all heading into the pit. Yeah, it's scary. I have to say that. It's really a scary thing to be watching. And um, I think, you know, in stark contrast is, you know, when, when you read stories of the disciples and how committed they were to God, how committed they were to what Jesus taught them. When you think of just the life of Jesus, the example that he left for us to live by, you know, none of that was about gold teeth and uh, gold flakes and goodness knows what else uh, goes on in a lot of churches today. Um, A lot of that was really laying down your life and about, you know, dying to self. It, it had nothing to do with ambition or all about right. you. It was more about giving up all about you and putting on Christ, you know. Um, the other thing that comes to mind is obviously just where Jesus talks about my kingdom is not of this world when he is um, interrogated by Pilate because he says, you know, if it was... I would have soldiers in my army come in and rescue me now. And he says, it's not of this world. So what is this whole kind of idea of dominionism having to take over all these, uh, you know, media and these different seven mountains of influence? Uh, What is all of that about? Jesus has clearly said it's got nothing to do with this world. It's got to do with my kingdom. And that's why he says, go and, and save souls for that kingdom. Well, certainly over and over again in the Bible, it says, love not the world. If you love the world, you have not the love of Christ. And the reason it says love not the world is because of all the sin. This is a fallen world. They're not going to redeem this fallen world. Jesus is coming back to redeem Mm -hmm. this fallen world. And in the meantime, it is fallen. And we're not ruling and reigning over it now. It is being allowed to go on as it is so that... That the cup of iniquity will fill, and when that cup of iniquity is full, then it's going to be cast down and judgment is coming, and we know that that is what is so close by now, is the judgment of this world. And the seven mountains are all part of this world system, the government, hmm. the entertainment industry, the, the economy, those are all of this world, every seven That's mountain right. mandate, even religion. And again, as I keep saying, you know, Kenneth Copeland recently, his his ministry is saying we're not protesting anything anymore. You've got the accolades coming from the Vatican to them. And we know that the great harlot, she's the mother of harlots that is going to be forming, you know, be, before the rapture happens, before the time of the tribulation. There's a formation of the mother of harlots. Now, if she's the mother of harlots, who are the harlots that she's the mother of? See, the Catholic Church is called the Mother Church. And if she's the Mother Church, who are the children? Well, the ones who have, who have uh, the offshoots of her. You know, you've got the Protestant churches, such as, you know, the Presbyterians, Lutherans, all of those that came up, rised up after the Reformation. Those are certainly her offspring. Now they've got all of these ecumenical talks going on with all of them. And they're getting together to do things for society. They're coming together for for establishing social justice and all these sorts of things. But the ecumenical movement is the glue that that binds them all together. And so who's going to be at the top? The Pope. And a lot of these people don't mind. I mean, they come up and kiss the Pope's rings all over the place. You know, they have these 
ecumenical gatherings and everybody honors the Pope Hmm. and acknowledges him as the head, as the physical head of Christendom, the Vicar of Christ, which is another way of saying Antichrist. But every group that we're referring to accepts Catholicism and so-called charismatic Catholics as just another gate. Lance Wall now, I, I played this clip of him the other day where he says that, oh, well, the temple has all these different doors, you know, 12 doors or whatever. He said they were doors, but he was talking about the pillars of the church mm-hmm. so that you can come in this way and come out that way, that, that that individuals don't have the mind of Christ, he said, but that the church as a whole has the mind of Christ. And he mentioned Catholicism, Eastern Orthodox, Church of England, Evangelical, Fundamentalist. So he's got every, he says, we don't each have the mind of Christ. All of us collectively have the mind of Christ. So this is the rhetoric. It all goes back to Rome. And uh, if if you Mm. think I'm kidding, turn on any Christian television show. You've got James Robeson. He co-authored a book with a Catholic priest. They're saying, I'm not protesting anything anymore. Then you've got his woman, uh, Beth Moore, who is recently saying that there's going to be this great outpouring and, you know, loony things are going to happen, but it's going to be our brothers in Christ who are going to be coming down and and, uh, calling us on it and saying, this is not of God. And, And those are the mockers and the scoffers. So all of a sudden, the Bible talks about the mockers and the scoffers who will say in those last days, where is the sign of his coming? He's not coming. Those are the, the true scoffers. The Bible references are those who are saying that the Lord is coming is not nigh. They're saying now, Beth Moore and her ilk are saying that the scoffers are those who are seeing the unbiblical manifestations, testing them by the word of God and saying they are not of God. Those are now the mockers. And so that would refer to people like us who would even dare to discuss these sort of topics, Jackie. Yes. well you know uh, one other little thing that comes to mind is where you're talking about you know should we just say cozying up to the catholic church is uh, rick joiner's um you know he's now a knight of malta's many people that listen to our show would know but that has got a catholic grounding and so he seems to think that god has endorsed this and thinks it's wonderful but i have to say it, it raises every red flag i can possibly think of but what do you think about that jackie Well, Rick Joyner is another false prophet, and he is the one that has supposedly restored Todd Bentley, you know, who is an adulterer. You see, and and again, God TV, TBN, even TBN won't have a Todd Bentley or a Rick Joyner. Well, they'll have Rick Joyner as a guest every now and then, Hmm. but he doesn't have a show on TBN. But God TV up in the UK has got the worst of the worst, you know, Wendy and Rory Alec. Wendy Alec is a false prophetess. Yeah. She claimed that Jesus was going to show up physically at Todd Bentley's meetings, which, of course, that didn't happen. And even to say such a thing, hmm. how can Jesus show up at these meetings? And a lot of them are making these claims when the Bible says when he comes, every eye shall see him. As he left, so right. will he come back, the angel said on the on the Mount of Ascension. Agreed, so, yes. so they're right. lying about these things. They're saying, there's the Christ. He's in the inner room. There's the Christ. He's out in the wilderness. You Mm -hmm. see, just like Jesus warned, that would happen. And so you've got Wendy Alex saying, oh, Christ is going to show up over there in that inner room. You know, and then you've got the Roman Catholic Church saying, oh, no, Christ is here in the little tabernacle that we make on every altars as we do the magical transubstantiation of the Eucharist. And we're all going to have Eucharistic adoration and spend time with Jesus there because he's so lonely behind that curtain. 
you know, right. it's, <laughs> you know, I'm no conspiracy theorist, but there is a conspiracy of people who are walking under the direction of the spirit of the age, and the spirit of the age is directing the globalization of the world, the globalization of the church. And they love to talk about them being the remnant. They're talking to a thousand people saying they're, you know, cheering up and down and acting goofy and saying, oh, we're the remnant. No, they're they're not the remnant. They're the ones in charge. The remnant are the scattered sheep on every hill who have had to leave and have nowhere to go. You know, because finding a decent under shepherd has become a chore and a difficult thing to do, Uh, you know, which is why I really encourage anybody, if you want to be with other scattered sheep, just look me up on Facebook under my name, Jackie Alnor, that's A-L-N-O-R, and uh, get in on our conversations because I've got, you know, going on 2,000 friends that all over the planet. And we are keeping on the watch. We're being on the alert. We're looking for danger signs that we can help one another not fall into those snares. I love to promote the book by John Bunyan, Pilgrim's Progress, because Mm -hmm. all of those things that faithful and Christian and hopeful were doing, we're always trying to help one another and pull one another through all of these decoys and and traps that the devil would set up even after they fell into the uh, slough of despond when they got out they put up a sign saying pilgrims don't go this way danger and that's all i'm doing Mm -hmm. and hopefully you guys are doing and other people are doing is hey it's dangerous over there that's the devil snare that's the trap don't go there so that's what i'd like you know on my facebook page we've been able to get together and we can say oh this conference is going on over here such as the one you just told me about Andy how would I have known about that that's going on in Cape Town when I'm here in Pittsburgh Pennsylvania in America Um, when we're all around the world and the scattered sheep are connecting with each other and saying this is what's going on here this is what's going on there we can track the movement of the spirit of Antichrist and warn everybody to get to safety that sounds good to me and you can also join us on Facebook in our group um, we still go by the banner of um, Future Quake Southern Hemisphere or you can go to our website and you'll find the link there Jackie is also a part of our Facebook group but I've really enjoyed this discussion and I hope our listeners have as well and I'm thinking that we might have to have Jackie back again Andy Oh, I would love that. There's so much more that we could discuss and it's really good to be able to share with one another and to encourage each other in the Lord, strengthen what we can, but also to learn how to be discerners. And I really just appreciate your ministry, Jackie. This has been great. Well, thank you. And again, like I said, I'd love to come back. I think it's exciting to be here. I am talking to Australia and South Africa uh, (laughs) here from the United States, I mean, you know, it's good that we can take advantage of this technology. And I think right. that that way, all the scattered sheep everywhere can listen in and, and everyone can network with each other and, and help each other with being the eyes and the ears of the church, really, the, the true church. Right. Thank you for taking part, Jackie, and we will have you back again. And i just say to our listeners, for an outline of what the true gospel is, just go to 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul outlines what the gospel is. So that's it in a nutshell. You don't have to read every verse that um, I outlined on my blog. If you just want to have a brief outline of what the true gospel is, Paul does outline it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But anyway, having said that, thank you for your time, Jackie. Please come back again. God bless you, and thank you very much. God bless you too. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us. We hope you've enjoyed our show. 
can find us on the web at www.lightflintradio.com. If you'd like to contact us, you can email us at mail at lightflintradio.com. That's M-A-I-L at lightflintradio.com. 